you're right. It's the home studio is not bad. The only problem is that I need to get some soundproofing because the mics are so sensitive they pick up my air conditioner oh. in the background. But like, you should purposely have like somebody recording doing stuff in the background to make it like a bootleg podcast, <laughs> where it's like, yeah. Jesus, help me, Brendan! I fell. <laughs> Honey, a lot can of, like, you wait? We're almost done. We're on a really good topic. There's right like now. a lot of like audio verite that's like going on in the background. <laughs> Sometimes my girlfriend is here. Gloria's here, like doing something in the kitchen, or like she's getting, she's like taking a shower because she got back from yoga, or like something like that, or, pick, or cleaning all of that. Yeah, and it'll pick up all that stuff well, in the that's background. Good. It's a truthful podcast. There's nothing forced. We get everything included. We're trying to get. I'm trying. You know, I'm just trying to keep it real here on the Madness Continues podcast. <laughs> And uh, raw, unadulterated podcast. This is the real no shit. Filter. This is the this is the the, the cocaine free basing. Yeah, you'll hear showering, pooping, everything going on in the background, real life. Uh, like dude. we're just on the mean streets recording this. <laughs> we're in the back. <laughs> One time I did it out on my back porch with Tyler Ross. I had him back here talking about his like touring and and he he actually is fascinating because he's like really good at sales actually hmm. like because he does all these he does all these like uh tours that him and dylan scott put together and they do these um residence halls these like residence like buildings basically right. and a lot of these buildings like um have community rooms and they do like wine and cheese parties and shit hmm. but he'll reach out and he'll go like you we, you should do a comedy show we have our own amp we'll bring the whole thing like we'll do the show and they go they're like yeah definitely and they'll pay them like real money <laughs> Like they'll pay them like as opposed to all that fake loot going around. <laughs> that like fake. Man, I got this gig in Detroit and they gave me Monopoly money. Man, I got these Cubs bucks. Uh, <laughs> I got these Cubs yeah, bucks from the show. Got these McDonald's dollars. I can't use these. So, <laughs> but it's like no. I mean, like they'll pay like seven hundred, eight hundred bucks for like a show, and they'll split that between like you know three or four comedians huh. who come out and do the show. And so we anyway we sat on the back porch and you could just hear the owl and like my neighbors yelling hmm. at each other and somebody playing guitar and. For a second, I was like, "This is charming," and then I looked, listened back to it, and I was like, "No, this just sounds Ripes. unprofessional." It's like hurting my ears. Yeah, it just sounds unprofessional. Um, which is really charming. I think the tagline for this podcast, "The Madness Continues Podcast: Colon It Sounds Unprofessional." <laughs> the unprofessional podcast. This is it's the most accurate. You'll hear everything. You'll hear the L. You'll hear. But on today on today's episode, we have a guest, and that guest is a very professional comedian, Anthony Budazzo. Who's I'm a here. very professional comedian, so I'm glad that I'm on this <laughs> professional podcast and this professional setup. We've had professional and, uh, comedians on before. Andy Woodhall, oh, who nice. uh, I did the interview with, and um, that episode has not come out yet because <laughs> I gave that to Brendan Gay, and he's not giving it back to that me guy, yet. Um, and then uh, we've got, who else have I had on here in terms of professional, professional comics who you've heard of from TV? I'm going to put that on my resume. Sylvia. Professional, professional. You should put this podcast on your like resume, Facebook buddy. not just Facebook liked. It's like you Facebook like, like me. <laughs> professional, comma, professional <laughs> yeah. comic. He's a pro, pro. He doesn't do anything quid pro, pro. He's pro, pro comic. He's not even pro bono. That guy is yeah. pro, pro, pro. <laughs> He's pro, pro bono. It means he <laughs> negates the free part and goes right to quadruple charge i'm a real con bono <laughs> yeah but that's only because i used to be a sunny bono <laughs> there you go well <laughs> you know who never plays pro bono it's... you too <laughs> do they really not no, that was just a bad bono joke to throw in YouTube. oh bono. bono i get it bono uh, bono i get it <laughs> bad joke funnier when it's written out on this my twitter feed it got four likes you really did take caffeine before you oh, showed up here <laughs> I, i'm a little i'm a little jittery 
<laughs> if you're 41 and you drink a uh, amino energy drink that's loaded with quadruple levels of caffeine and decide to do a podcast, don't do it. You might hear a little jittery bonazzo today. <laughs> you had a you have the muscle milk too that you brought in. This is just a the empty bottle that I put my own stuff. You're so into. jacked, dude. Am like I? you're like a real like I'm a trying to be jacked and pro. I'm trying to be a pro <laughs> trainer and a pro comedian. That's jacked pro. Double pro. He's jacked pro pro. He's like the pro, pro comedian. He's like the he's like the fucking. He'll kill you if you don't pay him. He's the Bo Jackson of comedians, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm gonna try my hand in some uh, Shakespeare now. I'm gonna start trying different different sports and just, just bomb as a th- as a serious theater person. <laughs> the top three you should do is just comedy, professional bodybuilding, and then you should slash slash a uh, uh, trainer, mm. and then you should just be uh, the best CTA dr- like train <laughs> yeah, driver. Yeah, I'll just retire. Like it's really easy. That's like you my, my, my cousin reti- did that. He he was like a New York City <laughs> cop, and I saw him at, at a funeral, and he's like. Yeah, man, I'm just a lot more calm these days. I'm like, what are you doing? I said, I'm a bus driver. What? And I'm like, what? How do you go from being like detective in the Bronx to like to bus like? Driver. I just, he's like, yeah, I just wake up, I pick up the kids, and I go home, and I take a nap, and it's really nice. And he sounded so calm, and I'm like, all right, I guess that's the that's the route it that's takes it, in your man. body, man. Trying to the, being a cop in New York City, that's got to be insane. Oh man, I bet that's it's got to be completely well, my, nuts. Well, my other, his brother is still like the head. I love that he moved NYPD. from being a cop to driving kids around, and that got him more calm. <laughs> yeah. This guy needs to write a book. My God, well, like, that's the thing that's crazy. My his brother still is like the head detective of the NYPD, so it's like insane. What? Yeah, you have a lot of family in New York, yeah, though, don't you? I have You're a lot like of a family. Whole... Period. We're like freaking. Marmots were everywhere. The bu- the bonazzo. The bonazzo. Munajilamere. Go where are you? You do not. Speak I can do that. I, do I you speak do Italian? You, no, no. I only no I only know the words that my dad would use when he would yell at us. Oh yeah. I Welcome do. Lazaria. Gabadost. Does he really speak? He speaks Italian. Yeah, he did. He's dead, but yeah, he did when he was alive. I oh, got it. That'll do that. <laughs> That'll do it to you. But I still hear those words and from my family, and it's like my sister's trying to sound like more Italian than the other person. Where did, were you? Mozzarella. They, chicken parmesan. Mozzarella. Yeah. That was like one of my first jokes ever was at like a Rising Star Showcase where I'd never done the joke before, let alone ever tried it at an open mic, and it was just about the sisters trying to one-up each other with how Italian they could sound. I know oh, one of them speaks true Italian. Yeah. She speaks like Italian, French, and Spanish, and they'd be like, you know, can you pass the pasta and the mozzarella? <laughs> by the time the third sister is like, can you pass the Coke, the bread, and the mozzarella? So by the time it was like the fourth <laughs> sister, it was like Chewbacca. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God almighty, what happened to you? And it killed it, but... Oh, I don't man. think I ever did that joke ever again after that night. I'm like, why did I cut that? There's I something no about it, it, making fun of people's accents or the way they talk about them. Every audience loves it. Oh, yeah. Well, I had a bunch of material talking about Italians that came out to a show that I did in Edinburgh last year. And then I had a joke about my German friends and their like sense of humor. And like, oh, and for some reason, whenever you do impressions of people doing, doing their accent, yeah, be, cr- crowds love it. I don't yeah. know what it. I think it's because it's like you do the, like you're doing the trick, right? Like, yeah, there's a comedian. He's doing the trick. Well, that's what I talked about. It's funny that you brought that. I, I talked about that on stage about how, um, you know, like the whole like Simpsons character of like a poo is like they're saying like they want to like cut that character. Oh out yeah, the offensive Indian accent. Yep. And I was like, I was like, I don't disagree with that, but it's like we have to keep it even, right? Like, yeah. how is it okay? Like, when I did, I did a show a couple of weeks ago and I talked about how, like, the host brought me up and he's like, you guys ready for your next comedian? 
He's a super funny guy. He's going to make it a pizza to pie. Give it up for Tony Bonazzo. And he started like humping his crotch <laughs> with his hand. He's like cracking his crotch like like this is a bellissimo. And he like hitting hitting his crotch. And I was like, what do I talk about? Jesus. Like pizza or you killing people because I'm in the mob? Like, were which... you getting introduced on the Nickelodeon Kids I, Choice I literally Awards? grabbed the microphone. <laughs> I was like, uh, like, I was like, I don't even know what do I, where do I go into? Like, because you've, you've just pigeonholed me into that, into that character. You should have like, just come up and been like, hey, thank you very much. <laughs> and then shot him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you like the stereotypes <laughs> and then stab him <laughs> i was talking to my cousin mario he's a member of the mafia well that's that's the other thing is that ironically after the show i met a woman in my building we were in the elevator and it turns out she lived on my floor and we started talking i turned this into a bit because we started talking and uh we exchanged names i mean we've seen each other like every day she lives down the hall yeah and the next night i ran into her and i was like hey i'm like how you doing karen she's like oh my god i'm so sorry i forgot your name and I'm like, it's okay. She's like, can you give me a hint? And I'm like, just think Italian. And like, literally, she stared at me and she went, Giuseppe. Ow. <laughs> oh my God. Fredo? <laughs> and she genuinely guessed that my name was a Al- food. It was Alfredo. <laughs> like, were you just going to name like all cuisine until you got so funny. to the right one? Uh, just think Italian. Uh, penne pasta? <laughs> yeah. Meatball parmigiana? Farfalle. Uh, I just I, I was like close. It's actually rigatoni. Bow tie. And then I walked out of the elevator. I'm like, boom, gotcha. Oh man, dude, this. And then is, I uh, shot her in the face. Yeah, that's a lot of your. I noticed that a lot of you shoot. That's your 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 punchlines involve a lot of audience shooting. Yeah, yeah, that's what's going through my head, dude. Uh, they they created me. That what? I'm like the Donnie Brasco now. Like they've made me <laughs> the angry good guy cop that just turned mafioso. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd I'm not one of them I'm not becoming like them I am them oh my god uh, I remember watching that movie when I was too young and that scene where Donnie Brasco's like cut up the uh, the corpse oh yeah and I remember I think I was like 10 and I was like grab a knife come on Donnie yeah and I'm like what what is he What? why are they it just was too much that's what we used to do at every family gathering. We'd cut up the pizza, the mozzarella, and the, pe- and the meatballs, and then yeah. we'd cut up a corpse. And then toss them into we a... Get them in the hole. Put them into a bunch of... Hey, Madeline, get them in the hole. <laughs> we got the tripe coming out next. So do you have... you Are you are you from Chicago, or are you no. actually from the East Coast? No, I'm from the East Coast. I was born in New York, I, and my parents moved out of Spring Valley, New York, which was a pretty rough area, and we moved just over the bridge to New, York, uh, to New Jersey, and that's where I pretty much grew up. Was in New Jersey. When when did you move to Chicago? Because I feel like you're Almost twelve years. You're ago. like a you're you're in my experience of Chicago comedy. You're you're so seriously married to it in the sense oh, really? that like yeah because like you you even when I started three years ago here and I've been doing comedy for a while as I'm fond of saying at every opportunity but I've been doing comedy for a while but I hadn't really done it in Chicago very very much. I would come out here every once in a while from Detroit and uh, hmm. and, and do some do a show or do, you know, some open mics or something. And then I would go back and, and uh, kind of finally made the commitment like three years ago. And you were like, just ev- everywhere I went, like mm. this is where you were. You were at open mics, you were at shows, you were on the Playbill, everything. You were opening for people, mm. you were featuring for people, like all this kind of stuff. And so uh, when, when did you come, when did you end up coming out here? <laughs> I thought you just say, so when did you come out? So when did you come out as a comedian? When did you come when out did as you a finally comedian, just man, come dude? out as a... Uh, when did I move out here? Uh, I moved here in 2006. Sometimes I have to think about it, and the only way that I remember it is that it was when the 
Seahawks play the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Oh, and uh, I was watching it alone because I just moved here and I ordered a pizza. And I was like, this should nice. be sad, but I was actually really happy. Yeah, <laughs> I got an invite to go to a party. I'm what's like, eh. you know what's weird about it is the older I get and the more my time is like taken up by other people and responsibilities, the more I'm like, God damn, I just wish I, I could be alone. Yeah, people are like, oh, drinking alone is a real sign of depression. <laughs> I'm like, for me, it's a sign of celebration. <laughs> yeah, I'm celebrating end a of the week evening with myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna finish this beer and no one will make me feel sad about it. <laughs> Don't worry about getting home. I can just stumble into the hallway. Yeah, nobody's going to be like, hey, can you clean these shoes up by the front door? <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, nah, man. I'll pee on those shoes. I'm alone. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that. And then, uh, yeah, 2006. So when now. did you start doing the, the stand-up then? Because you were already in Chicago. I was doing it. Well, I was working like a maniac for like, because I moved here and I worked in a gym and I had no income. So I, was, I had to build up like a client base. So it was either like build it up and like live or just don't and starve yeah so it was like my two choices so why what brought you out here then i just randomly picked it i li- was living in seattle for a little while and then i decided to come back to this side of the country but i didn't want to go all the way back east just yet yeah chicago was just kind of random there was no motivation to move here there was never like oh i gotta go do comedy or i gotta fulfill my dream of second city you know like and then, <laughs> and then it just happened like i just started doing improv i did the second city conservatory to the music conservatory and then i just sort of like fell into stand-up like people were really frustrating to try to organize with improv groups to like rehearse oh, and meet it, for shows right? and, yeah. we, and we was it was weird too because we were really good it wasn't like we were like bad improv we got booked we were getting booked to do like events and corporate events we went to new york city and we did the del close marathon we got like great feedback sarah silverman showed up like right after our show it was like you guys were great like it was all these good things that were happening for us Damn. we were making money doing improv and it still became like pulling teeth to organize people to be like that's we gotta nuts go. they'd be like well i have a incubator audition at the playground or I heard Sharna's going to be watching. Yeah. So the, I yep. know. You know, yep. it was like just real like everybody. That's the problem. I think with a lot of performers in Chicago is that they, they do so much to like, and spread themselves so thin that they never really get good at one thing because they're trying uh, to like yeah. be seen by everybody else and that you never really focus on something. Well, the problem too, I think in Chicago is that there's nobody really watching anyway. Right. So it's kind of like you, you... Well, in improv, there is. That's what's frustrating. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right about that. People that, don't realize that. Like People at comics are like, I hate improv. And improv is like, I don't know why stand-ups hate us. <laughs> like It's this weird war that it shouldn't... It's yeah. the, the most... To me, it's like the most immature, childish thing to be like, let's fight another art form that yeah, we don't get. Yeah, that we don't get. <laughs> yeah. I think, that, I think the, the argument in Chicago comes from the fact that there's only so many butts that want to get in seats. Right. And not a lot of them. It's like just the big headline is improv and sketch, kind of, in the city of Chicago. It's the big headline is right. a second city, and then the secondary is IO. And then after that, it's like uh, the annoyance, comedy sports, like whatever, take your pick with the tertiary ones. And everybody just goes to second city, basically. Right. It's like if you're a big corporate person and you're like, let's go out and do something, it's going to basically be to go to second city, or they're going to go to IO. Or maybe they're going to go to the Laugh Factory, um, and then I would say Zanies is like just behind the Laugh Factory. And, and, and I say that because more, I think, corporate people end up just going out because they're gonna, if they're going to go, we're going to go see comedy, they're going to just go out to the Laugh Factory because it's just comedy. There's no Nobody knows who the fuck is performing. Right. Like it's just a whatever show. But if people are like actual comedy fans and they want to go see a comedian, they'll go out to uh, Zanies. But, like, that's the thing is, like, Zanies has this core hardcore crowd, and then, like, the Laugh Factory has, like, the we're going to go see comedy stand-up 
stand up is what they're going to go see. But then if anybody wants to just go see comedy generally, they'll just go to the second city. Right, right, right. So it's almost like you have all these comedians who are like really trying to get a share of this attention and audience and seats and they're competing with the big headline which is improv. Yeah. And I also think I have a background in improv. I did it for a long time starting in high school, but I think that how do I want to put this in the in the world of comedy that we kind of like circulate and exist in? There's a whole bunch of people who are in the world of improv who would have been filtered out naturally if the world of improv, yeah, if the world of improv was exposed to the same rigors that the world of stand-up in Chicago is is exposed to. There are people who would have been like, well, this isn't for me, and they would have quit improv. But because they can pay and continue to go and network their way into doing whatever and getting supportive feedback from you know all these people that surround them, they're gonna continue to do improv because it feels like they're they're not you know what I mean like they they're not by themselves having bad night after bad night after bad night and having to like fucking work through it. That's those well, are I think the they do, but they it's in a team setting, mm. so it's like more supportive. You know, that's what I mean. And I and I and I would say in the same way it does happen democratically, like in improv, in that like you don't see losers that like are just terrible getting mm. cast on Saturday Night Live. Like people that are the best usually get through that filter. Not always. Yes. Yeah. But for the most part. No, I totally do. agree with you there. I don't There's not think a lot of that... people that have gotten like opportunities that I'm like, oh man, I saw that guy. He's terrible. You know? Yeah. You yeah, can yeah. see that sometimes with stand up, but that sometimes both it just ends up being a an endurance thing. Like who yep. can last through this and find exposure or create a path and then get seen or whatever the case yeah, may be. I'm in, I'm in total agreement with you. And I think that the thing that's bizarre is that the more and more I circulate into the industry, like having gone to Edinburgh and now New York Television Festival, meeting all these executives, I'm going to MIPCOM, which is the largest TV market in the world um, in October. And like the more I talk with these people, the clearer it is that it's like, all you have to do is get their attention to begin with and then they'll and if there's a place f- to plug you in that's profitable profitable for them they'll they'll do it it'll right. do it really quickly and once you're in you're in you're you're that's it it's actually kind of even weirdly hard to get out like right. if you're as long as you're not a fucking causing me too moments right. or like um or just being a total asshole like you most people who get in actually just stay in because once you're in they know that you're capable of doing the tricks and you just stay in and that's where they they plug you in wherever they can yeah and so uh what's odd about it is that it's clear that the barrier to entry there though is just being talented so it's like can you do the trick or not like if we put you on a stage in front of people can you entertain them yes or no and if the answer is like maybe, then it's like sorry, we can't. We need to. You have to be consistent. It's like what Bert said when he was on the podcast. He was like, um, and we talked about you a little bit because he was like, Anthony gets up and he can just go. He just he can entertain the audience. You just go and like I know that I can put him in and he'll entertain the audience. And there's a consistency that I can see as somebody who is putting up money or has money on the line to like they to have entertainment. They need that kind of it's stuff. It's a risk. Yeah. So it so just to get back to the point that we were talking about is like that's why I think people who make it end up being like like nobody's arguing like Chris Red shouldn't be on Saturday Night Live. Like of course he should. He's fucking talented and he's he's talented in every place I've ever seen him. But it's like is Chris Rock or Chris Chris Rock, pardon me, is Chris Red so much more talented than insert any given capable or 
you know, effective stand up here who's not famous. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, at that level of the game, like, who really knows why anybody gets this thing over that thing? But but it's clear that the barrier to entry is just being able to do the thing. Well, it's getting, like you said, it's getting past that barrier, right? Like, it happens even on a local level. Like, comedians will complain all the time, like, oh, I don't get booked, I don't get booked, I don't get booked, I don't get booked, I don't <laughs> yeah. get booked. Yeah, that's a great Facebook impression post, of me, I don't get booked, It's a really good impression of me, though, Or though they post something, like, you know, like like, ironic, like, just helped an old woman cross the street and she said, thanks, sweetie, you look like you're funny. Book me. Like these yeah. terrible, self-shameless promotions. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and it happens on a local level too where like, you know, somebody might find like a comic funny and they may do okay and then they become like a flavor and then everybody's booking them. Yep. Right? And then they get fixated on that one person but then they really aren't opening it up to like other people they're just booking who they heard was good or oh, they yeah. heard was funny or they the, saw on the other scene. shows yeah it could it, it could be like you know dozens of other comics that should be on the shows oh yeah it, and i'm not talking about me specifically even though i am um <laughs> that they just won't book because they're like oh i don't know like uh, you know i heard he's a club comic or you know i heard he's this or he's or hurt, whatever or whatever like, their like, stupid like there's reasoning any, is yeah that's what's it's so like, weird is like i like, wish people would just book people on the fact that oh you know i saw him at a show and he crushed and he could probably do here well here or her you know whatever yeah it's based on this thing and then they have the audacity to complain all the bookers are the only, only, only book these five people. And I'm like, you're doing the same friggin' thing with oh, your man, stupid so show, nice, yeah. you know? And so it's it, like, like it, open up your mind. And it's like, once everybody gets on board, either that's either in the club scene or the local scene, you, you, you start snowballing with your yep. bookings. For me, it, it didn't happen with local shows. It happened with like clubs, but it still hasn't happened to like where it's gotten me to that next level yet where people are like, Oh, we got to really watch this guy now. And that's, yeah. that's kind of like the weird space that I'm in now where it's like, you know, people are like, hit me up. Like, how do I get into Zanies? Or how do I get into the input? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know how I'm in there. Like, <laughs> like I, I have to still have to send out a hundred emails a week and, you know, yeah. not hear from people. And then all of a sudden, you know, get something random. But I'm like, oh, cool. I got something. You know, it's the same. That's, that never goes away. And I think comics yeah. think that like, they there's hit, a way they, to overhaul that yeah or, like or they skip hit, they hit some level at which they're like oh i don't have to hustle anymore yeah or but they like, want to do that and it's like they've been doing it for like a year yeah and, and i'll get like messages like how'd you get that and i'm like you just i've seen you do stand up four times you could probably count on your hand yeah how many times you've done stand-up? why are you trying to do this big thing it's yeah like, it's like i imagine if you're like a weightlifter and you're like oh man i put up 25s <laughs> on each side Put those 900s on, you know, yeah. like what are you, you're going to get crushed. And then you watch it. You go to like Zany's or yeah. whatever, these Tuesday 10 shows, and you just watch these people that are really loud online or they're like the scene darling and they just eat it. And you're like, well, there you go. Your friends aren't here to pick you up and get those laughs that you're that's used the to. One, that's the thing that's so bizarre about Chicago, too, is like ha- having done it beforehand in a couple of diff- a few different markets um, and then coming here. It's like one of the bizarre differences that definitely goes on here is this kind of insular scene thing that that can tend to happen. And it doesn't mean that comedians who the scene likes aren't good because there are plenty of comedians that I think the scene loves and actually are really good. I think Jeff Asmus is a good example. He's really funny. And him moving on and going to New York and getting, you know, got he got into, you know, Just for Laughs, did like the New Faces thing, like when he got it. I don't think that was, I mean, I, think, I don't think it was like mistimed or he didn't deserve it or like any. I think he was, he was funny beforehand. He was funny when he went. He was funny here. Like he's a funny guy. And, and he's a scene darling. But there are people that the scene loves that 
when you see them sometimes at like other shows or when you see them like you said like when they get into like they'll get like a co like Zanies recently did like a big uh, they did this last year too like a co-feature thing because yeah. they wanted to start getting people like credits they get a little pay they can get like you know they can start using it as a credit to like start you know messaging around and stuff and there were some people who ended up on that show who I would who I saw um, from time to time who when they got up to do their co-feature stuff it's like you could see them like kind of struggling because they're like, oh, this isn't the same crowd of like fucking You're navigating new terrain. And they're like, what do I do? Yeah, this isn't the same group of of like old style drinking, you know, vaping uh, uh, underemployed comedians who and they, they who who love what I talk about because I speak to them or something like that. And that's a little weird is that it, and especially, you know, it's especially interesting when you get out i mean not just even outside of the scene but just outside of the city like if you start doing you know you get outside of the city start doing road gigs and stuff like a lot of that sense of humor that's really popular especially in an insular sort of echo chamber that is chicago com- that is the coals let's say right. on, on wednesday um a lot of that comedy just doesn't some of it just really really doesn't resonate well, that's, that, that's the problem and i think that's where i feel like i'm happy with the route that i took like because like you know most people start out and they're either just doing coals every week or they're doing a bunch of mics and then they, they learn how to navigate around just comics. Yeah. And in the early stages, I was only navigating around crowds. So now like when I go to an open mic, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what's happening most times. Yeah. I'm like, why are they dying? I don't get it. Yeah. Like I'm looking around and they're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like yeah. it's that, it's either that like forced laugh, the fake laugh, or yeah. like, I have no clue what made that funny, but the room's like dying. And I'm like, I'm going to go bomb right now. And then I usually go bomb. And then I go home, and then I use that joke at a club, and it kills. So it's well, just like it's this weird we were, thing. When we were running, I used to used to come out to um, the Lazy Philosophers. Oh, I love Mike. that place. The burgers yeah. were great too. Yeah, that I, I three dollar burger night and a salad. Come on. Yeah, it was so good. And uh, I'd like wake up from a nap, and I'd text you, and you'd be like, "Yeah, come up whenever you're." And I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. and I'd call the bar, be like, "Can you put a burger on?" I go upstairs, do my set, hang out for three or four comics, get dinner, and then go to bed. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You, yeah, you used to come out to that. Mike and like it was um I, that was a great Mike and like every once in a while I get people who like reminisce about it they're like yeah. that was so much fun. Well, I tried Tim Meadows came one night and he was eating and I tried to like he looked so mad at me for talking even talking to him. to him. But then when I told him there was a Mike he's like oh what time <laughs> like his his ears would have been so up. great to have Tim Meadows come in. But like um I mean it was like a really fun Mike because it was literally just comedy scene people but it was like a really good group of like people who just were literally just having they were only there to have fun. Right. We almost got no real audience members. No, it was it never was like, a, oh, this guy get books at Zanies. How's he doing that joke? Yeah. You know, like that oh, vibe man. that you get. Like, yeah. how's he hosting the comedy bar? But even then, like, there <laughs> you know, would like be... That weird were, vibe that you get. There would be, like, new comics who would come out and they would see you do... And, and the, I remember this specifically because uh, this week, like, there was some new comic that... Or somebody was talking to me and they were like, who's this Anthony Bonazzo guy? Like, and you came up and you did a bunch of jokes and you didn't... And you bombed <laughs> at the open mic. And then you like, and then I was like, we were talking afterwards, and you left, and somebody's like, "Who, who was that guy?" Like, because they, because you, it's clear that you're like kind of a somebody, especially in like the that circle of people. People are like, "Oh shit, who is this guy?" If they don't know you, and it was funny because he was like, "That guy does like zanies." That guy like, like what? Oh, yeah, but then time. literally that same week, uh, somebody at work saw you at zanies and was like. Oh man, we saw this comic he featured. He was even funnier than the headliner. Yeah. Like, what was his name? It was like, it was like some Italian. It was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like, it was like a t- Anthony Rigatoni. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anthony Alfredo or like, and I was like, Anthony Bonazzo? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. And I just really stood out to me because it's like, there's this very strange, unique kind of perceptual difference, I think, between the audience. And that's the thing is like, you know, com- comedians, this is why it's a little bit fucked up to like have a, an insular sort of open mics that are, that are surrounded by comedians as a practice space because it's like these you know, comedians are fucked up people. Like we, it not it's not it's abnormal for people to want to get up in front of total strangers and get and entertain them so that they buy into you and your shit. Like that's or to- when there's no strangers. Like my Mike the other night. Yeah. Nobody showed up crowd wise, and it was just me and like six comics. Yeah. Most people should. That's what I said when I started the show. I was like. Something's wrong with all of you. Yeah, because you should have left as soon as you walked into this room. But instead, you're like, I still need to get my fix. Yeah, of no one listening. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean. Is like, so then when you're when you're circulating in that environment and you're trying to develop material just for that environment, it 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 naturally would would grow abnormally because yeah, when you watch like death jokes or suicide jokes in front of an open mic crowd, (laughs) they go over. You do that in front of real people. They're like, what's wrong with him? You don't joke about that stuff. Like you can you can. You can alienate yourself very quickly. Oh, yeah, totally. And especially, and that's the problem with, like, being a comedian and having a day job, like, an office, like I do. Oh, yeah. Is that, like, I, I had to start checking myself. My grandmother dropped dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, wrong? Because people, okay? people, normal people don't understand that when comedians hang out, they literally just say the most ridiculous shit to each other. There's to comfort tr- in that, Yeah, though, to, to try know to, that like, I can, like, <laughs> make a joke about my dad or something to, like, a comic, but, like, anybody else is like, oh, God, are you okay? Yeah. Are you, it, gonna, are you safe? Yeah. Are you, like, safe? Yeah. What? Are yeah, God safe? damn it. You me, think I brought... coping. Deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I just, you think I brought this up to you to get some kind of, like... <laughs> to get me into therapy overnight <laughs> and, like, just check me in somewhere? Yeah. Don't be so alarmed by me, you know? <laughs> But that's the thing. That's what I will say. That's like the biggest problem is that you you learn to navigate around just comics, and then you don't ever learn how. And it's the same thing with improv. Like we did improv scene after scene after scene in class, and then people that were okay in class would kill at these shows. And I'm like, why are they catering to the crowd? And then you look at like you go to like the main stage shows, the second stage. I'm like, they do the same thing. You learn how to not do like. Every scene and every joke doesn't need to be this brilliant masterpiece of mm. irony and, you know, uh, surprise. It needs to be sometimes just a simple breakdown. And sometimes the simplest jokes are the funniest jokes. Oh, yeah. But, like, comics are like, oh, that's hack. Yeah. It's too hack. But I'm like, well, is it hack if everyone's laughing at it night after night? Yeah. Uh, do you really become, like, Dane Cook if... Everything that you say, people are finding funny. Yeah. Or is it just that you have built up this expectation that's so high mm. at all these mics of just snobbery? You know, that's what I liked about the lazy philosopher. Like, like you could just do whatever you wanted to try, and it was not judged. And if you bombed, you bombed. And if you did good, you did good. And that was it. Yeah. I feel like every comic is not treating an open mic like an open mic to go experiment and fail. They're treating it like a showcase. Nobody's huh. going up to Coles and being like, hey, I'm going to try these new three jokes I wrote online. And if I bomb, that's fine. They're like, oh my God, I got to I gotta go up at Coles. And if I bomb, I'm never going to get booked on a well, showcase. Yeah, and because you're doing it like in front of your peers. I mean, and Coles, Coles does have Coles a crowd, especially, so it's different. Yeah, Coles is especially a good example because it not only does it have a crowd, but it also has all the same people you're trying to impress. Right. So if you're, especially if you're a new comic, you're like, now is my chance. Right. And like the thing that's so weird about it is Show like my hot three. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> like nobody gives a shit. Like uh, it, really, anybody is so focused on their own stuff, like in the in the scene and trying to develop their own shit, and they're worried about their own jokes, and they're just like, and that's what it. I feel like that's 
there's too much self-consciousness like wrapped around it, you know? And I mean, like, that's the big lesson from comedy for me, I think, just in general is like, it doesn't matter. This is all practice. Right. This is all this practice is the minor for... Leagues. Yeah, this is all practice be, for shit in the, three months in the batting from now. cages, swinging every day, doing something. Yeah. And occasionally someone's going to say, we need you to start, and then you go in and you play your ass off. And, like, this is me right now. Like, I, I'm like, to me, it's like I'm a triple-A batter. Yeah. And I'm not working for the Cubs or the Yankees or any big name. Sometimes those teams are like, hey, we need a we need an infielder. Can you fill in? And I go in. Yeah. I knock it out of the park, and they're like, okay, go back to AAA now. And then I go back, which is like open mics. And it's like, it's a maddening spot to be. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, oh, okay, I got this opportunity, and I did well with it. And knocked it out of the park, no pun intended. And then I'm like, I get demoted back to the, to the prison yard. And I'm like, okay, cool. And you just keep <laughs> accepting yard. it. And it's like, you know, eventually time and uh, history shows you that, you know, like Bert used to always say, like, you know, uh, you know, your tenacity will outlast talent any day of the week. Mm. You know, persistency will outlast talent. And that's why I just keep plugging along because it's like I've had a taste of success and I know that. If you just keep getting better, you just keep writing, you keep trying to stay out of Facebook arguments, and it's such a yeah. it's such a distraction to the to what you should be focusing on, which is your career, and not some BS drama. Not to say that these are not important matters, but not everything needs to have your seventy five comments a day when you could have spent that hour emailing bookers, trying to get a showcase or a guest spot, like yeah. writing a joke, working on a new tagline, or you know. Working on your website, getting merchandise, business cards, anything yeah, other you, than that. I think you're. I mean, especially that point is so is so well received. Like, do you think Donald Glover spends a lot of time worrying about Facebook arguments? Well, that's what I wrote one day. I wrote. I wrote. Here's a quote. Uh, how did you get your from an interview? How did you get your Netflix special? Well, I spent. 75 to 100 hours a week on Facebook arguments about the local comedy scene. That's amazing. End quote said no comic ever. <laughs> you know? That's probably it's how many, like how many, like how many likes or shares did that get? Yeah, it's like almost like in <laughs> probably seven. That's my average. Because uh, people are like, oh, that's so true, but I don't want to like it because I might not get booked if they see that I'm agreeing with this club comic. Oh, you know? no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He'll never get I'll never get. Oh, he's a little too red line. That yeah, comic's a little, a, little too, he's a little too much too of a red line controversial. Comic. He just talked the truth. <laughs> we can't speak the truth. We have to wait till a big person in the scene says the same thing, and then we'll share the hell out of it. Oh my god! Yeah, Ugh. but then no one sees that power dynamic, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know what you mean." And then like they're just like the next day doing exactly that. You know, it's like, okay, God forbid you have an opinion or thought of your own that's separate and ind independent of someone else telling you what to think. Oh man, and just have your own thoughts. But that's being 41 in a scene full of people that are average you know yeah they're all in their 20 20 yeah 24 year olds <laughs> yeah this is so. like it does it does it doesn't feel like you're 41 though if i'm totally honest man it feels I like so. it weirdly does feel like you're kind of you're kind of the scenes like older older brother i would mm. say it does feel like that dylan it's dylan uh I think Dylan Scott called me the elder statesman of the scene. <laughs> the elder <laughs> I like statesman. the title of that. I don't even even know what that means, but oh man, like that's, the name of your, that's the name of your comedy special. Yeah. Anthony elder Bonazzo, statesman. elder statesman. <laughs> and it's just you dressed up as a founding father. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Civil war gear. I think actually this is a great idea for a, for, for a special right there. So speaking of specials and stuff, man, what projects are you working on right now? Uh, I don't know that I have any particular projects i'm just trying to keep plugging away and keep finding bookings the only really exciting thing that happened was uh about a year ago i'd reached out to this club and uh basically was 
told like I might, you know, they would have a date for me if I emailed them by X date, didn't work out. Followed up with them again. And this is just like a really good story about persistency, you know, and I followed up again, even though I was frustrated that I didn't get booked on like, because they said, you know, reach out this date. We'll have, and then he, the communication went radio silence and then uh, followed up again. and was like, let me know if you have anybody drop out. And then he's like, I don't. And then uh, like literally like four days ago, the guy wrote me and was like, hey, I have an opening. Uh, I sent your video clip to Kathleen Madigan. She wants to work with you as a feature. Dude. So open for her. So. That's awesome. So I'm going to be doing that in uh, at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Oh, shit. You're doing that at the Comedy Castle? Yeah, in November. So that's pretty pretty exciting because I was like, you know, I could have just easily been like, oh, screw, screw this and get like mopey and depressed. Yeah. But I was like, no, I'm going to like keep, keep myself on the radar and send a new updated clip. And then he used that clip to give to her and she watched it and liked it and was like okay cool I that's want awesome open for me so i gotta get a new clip man so stuff stuff works out you just you just you know it sounds terrible but like it's the only time no means no does not mean no and this is when it's in stand-up like you have yeah. got to keep on pushing your way in and force people to recognize who you are and yeah and and knock it out of the park when you get the opportunity i think as long as you're not an asshole and you're people respond Respect persistence, oh, and, they, yeah. and I think they respect hustle. And yeah. like, I mean, especially uh, you know, but you have to have the goods to back it up. You can't be all. That's the thing. There's there's comics that are really good about the business side of like, they're always on Instagram. They're always posting an Instagram story. They're always posting a quote about how they just killed it on stage, or they got yeah. a standing ovation, or whatever. And they've got business cards. They've got merch. They've got flyers. They've got everything. So they're really good at that. And then their stand ups like six or seven me- me- mediocre, right? And then yeah. their stand ups are like really good. And they're like a 10. You're like, well, why is that guy not getting booked? And it's like, they just don't know anything anything about how that, yeah, how that works. You know, you have to find that middle ground where it's like, you can self promote, you can push your, your, your own business. You're, you're basically your own door to door salesman. If you're not doing it, no one's doing it for you. No one's going to do it for you by going up at Kohl's at 2 a.m. and killing in front of four comics. Like you got to like get out there. It's not a knock on Kohl's. It's just people put so much stock in the local thing or scene or one outlet and determine that is going to be the path because, you know, Hannibal did it. <laughs> you know, it's like people, yeah. people are always looking at these paths like, oh, this is what I have to do or this is what the scene said I should have to do. Nobody makes up their mind about what do they find happiness doing? Mm. What do they have balance for in their own life and their personal space of their own mm. life? And what do you have joy from? I see so many comics like, I need a break from comedy. I'm miserable. And I'm like, you probably needed a break eight months ago. Why were you even <laughs> why, letting yourself get to this point? You don't even sound like you were happy when you were doing it. Yeah. It becomes this weird, like, that's why I wrote that tweet a couple weeks ago. As I said, some comics, I think, still do comedy out of spite. It's like, are you even having fun? Yeah. And if you're not, why are you still here? Yeah, what are you still you know, doing? It's like, it's like forcing yourself to like something that you don't even like. Huh. You know, it's like eating Chinese food every day. Be like, I hate Chinese food. And I'm like, yeah. well, then why are you eating it? Yeah. You know, there's a million different things you could be eating. Yeah. You know, go do that. That's a man. That's such a good point too. I think there's a lot of reasons why people, and this is part of the thing I think that is unique about being in the position that we're in, sort of in in Chicago, is that there's a lot of people who can. Get, the barrier to entry is very low here. You know what I mean? Like if you were, if you were, you know, once you even at your level, and and when you get to the next level, the number of people who will be, um, who who have had who have access have a lot of them have been weeded out. You know what I mean? That by that point you have to have some. You have to be committed. You have to be in it for like per, right. you know. You have to have a lot of whatever got you there is 
uh, filtered out people who who were there for bad or wrong reasons. I mean, I don't want to say wrong reasons, but I think there's a lot of people who have a dream of like, I want to get on stage or I want to do comedy or I want to get attention or I want to get whatever. And like, that's not, I mean, this is something I even struggle with from time to time because like I'll bomb really bad sometimes. This doesn't happen as much anymore. I mean, like I'll, I'll still bomb bad, but like I'll get off stage every once in a while and go like, shit, is comedy like for me? Mm. Like, am I, am I, do I want to do this through this kind of like ridiculous thing? And Mm. one of those times was at the Edinburgh Fringe last year. Like I, I opened the show and had i mean and the fringe was like unique because it's it's four fucking weeks and it's non-stop it's every day you do not get a break mm. it's an hour every day and not only is it an hour but it is eight hours of you flyering for your show mm. it's bad weather i got sick twice mm. like i i was constantly working to try to get people to the show i was constantly getting up on other shows to try to get people to my show and it's like that's exciting and cool but if you hit the ground running really hard by the end of week two you're exhausted and i was having shows that were i mean i was no laughs i mean like people would come i would get like 10 people five of them would leave and the other five would just sit there because they were too polite to like leave Mm -hmm. and get no laughs and then i would have shows that were standing room only standing ovation Mm -hmm. like it makes no fucking sense and that's stand up though yeah i know yeah (laughs) but that's that's what's so weird is like people you know you you start realizing that you're like oh you can't no one is so talented that they can crush it every fucking show like if you get a good i mean like seriously if you get a good audience and by that i mean you get butts and seats and for people who want to see a show you can probably crush every show but at the fringe festival at 10 p.m every night of the week yeah after people have been out all day long going to other shows they get they get in their seats and they and they are and some of them are like yeah yeah just didn't want to do this didn't realize i didn't want to do it until it started but like now i'm not gonna laugh and like Anyway, where am I going with this? We were talking about, um, oh, so I had this moment because I was sitting there thinking like, I don't even know if this is right for me because I had like a series of shows right as, as my run began that I was like not getting a lot of laughs. I had like two laughs a show or something and the people would sit there quietly. Now, part of this is that English, British audiences are slightly different that American audiences, and I noticed this because when I was doing the Chicago Showcase, we would get half the audience would be American, half would be British. So I eventually learned that part of it is that Americans just laugh more and at different and at different things. Right. The British will sit there and listen for five minutes and then get a laugh and still like the show. Right. The fact that they didn't laugh for five minutes, they're like, oh no, it was very funny and entertaining. It was just yeah, that people do that here too. You're like, oh, you were you were you were the best. I was dying, and I'm like, you didn't flinch. you didn't laugh at all. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why that's why comedy can be maddening too, because you're like this formula of like, am I losing my mind or why did that set kill last night? And tonight it's like, bombing. oh, it's insane. So that's why I've, I I just made it like recently within the last month I've just made a decision to just go up with the mindset of I'm gonna I'm gonna kill like I'm gonna kill this set no matter what I'm gonna do everything I can to at least get ninety percent of the room on board. Yeah, and to me, if I get ninety percent of the room. I've succeeded. Oh, I think so. And most times, you if you aim that high, you'll hit 100, 100, 100. Like, last weekend, I was featuring, and I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to kill every, I'm going to make it a point to kill every single show. There's no, there's no in-betweeners anymore. Like, yep. I can't afford financially, one, anymore to not get booked, <laughs> yeah. to yeah. this maddening process. So, it's yeah. like, it was like a Friday show, a Saturday, and a Sunday, and there was two on Saturday. And I'm like, I'm going to destroy, like, in my head, you just, like, get yourself... Where you're like, I'm gonna find something mm. that they can identify with. I'm gonna go with it, and if that doesn't work, I'm gonna flip the switch. I'm gonna go to crowd work, and I'm gonna do that until that gets me 
And I think it was like the Friday show was really good. Both the Saturdays were phenomenal, and the Sunday was really good. So it's like if you yeah. were like on an average, it was like you were hitting an eight point five or nine point five. Yeah, for the all show as like an average, and to me, that's that's a good statistic. And I'm like, I can live with that. Yeah, what I can't live with is like a six one night, a seven, a ten, and then a two. Like yeah. that, that will drive me crazy. So it's like a, yeah, it's just I think not it's a it's lot inconsistent. Of, it's just yeah. a lot of like positive self talk too to be like, you know, I'm not, and I've done this, and I've seen comics do this, and I think it's terrible is to be judging. And critiquing your set while it's happening. Oh yeah, no way. Because then you'll just let them have the power. Well, because sometimes it, it's good. It's good to call out like that I, they're being weird. I I totally agree. But and don't I, be like, oh, you guys didn't like that joke. I guess I should go back to open mics. And yeah, I, I need to do. That I just day. had this conversation with another comedian uh, the other day, and it's funny because some of the people who I know who are in New York now and in the New York comics who I've like met going out there a lot now, um, they talk about this because there really is a there's a. I think this is a difference culturally between New York comedy and Chicago comedy is that Chicago comedy in a weird way is, and I think it's a result of the fact that there's a lot of new comics and they're still working through this stuff and trying to find their voice, but it's, it's still looking for approval kind of. And you can go to even showcases and see good comics who will do that shit. And they're like, wow, you guys didn't like that joke. Yeah. Or like, that was a bad one. Okay, writing that out of the set or something. Right. And the audience will kind of laugh and they'll go along with it. Maybe it gets them to kind of buy in or soften a little bit, but New York comics are like, I don't give a shit if you like this or not. I'm getting you on board with this material right. one way or another. It's just constant. That's the same attitude that you have to have with the bookers. Like you just have to keep driving that point home that you're going to get on board with this. And like I've, I've given up on jokes because they bombed at a mic or like they didn't, or I just thought they were dumb. And then like, I remember I was doing the show and like, you know, uh, this really well-known comic was hosting and he was just bombing. They were just dead. <laughs> it was late at night and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting in the back. Like, if he's bombing, like, what am I going to do? So I'm like, I'm just going to go down with the ship. Right? Yeah. I'm just going to go down I'm with gonna the ship. I'm going to drive this motherfucker I'm going to go out ground. and I'm going to open with a brand new joke that I've never told on stage ever, even at an open mic. Yeah. And it, the whole room flipped. Yeah. It was like this weird magic trick. And now I do that joke all the time. And I'm like, and, and, and it's like one of my best go-to jokes now at every show yeah because it's an energy joke it, it gets them on board it's silly but it's like funny and everybody can relate to it so like the, in that same mentality of like going on before you get on stage of like i'm gonna kill i'm gonna like no matter there's no in-betweens this is this is how the set's gonna go it's like kind of like the secret where you've sort of you know mentally told yourself this is how it's gonna happen and then when you're on stage is continuing to plow that thought into your own head into the audience. It's almost like you're, you have to become like a magic trick where you're, you're telling them how to respond. Oh, yeah. And and not abandoning too soon, but following through on the joke. Yeah. And going and keep adding stuff and keep tagging it and don't say, replace, oh, you guys didn't like that one or oh, that's new or oh, I shouldn't have done that. But, but continuing to push and push and push until you get the reaction that you know that it deserves. And if you don't, then you can say something about them Unless it's a really bad joke, then yeah, and, you know. But most, hopefully, if you're doing a showcase and you're at a club, you're not doing bad bad jokes. jokes. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> have doing, had that opportunity. You're doing a joke that you've <laughs> yeah, been, right. you it's been tested and you know works, so you can go up and then you can pull it, put it on them and be like, oh, you, you know, you know, like recently, <laughs> but like I went up a couple nights ago and it was like every comic was bombing. And then I walked up and I was just like, why? And I, I improvised this. I was just like, I'm gonna just address these idiots because they're being terrible. And everybody was good comics like and they should have been killing yeah and i was just like why and i didn't even know what i was gonna say but i just looked at everybody go, why does it feel like you four 
are in like the sprint plan. <laughs> this is T-Mobile and you guys are cricket over here. Like, why can't we all have the same bar of reception? And then like that, they were like, oh, yeah, that's a good analogy. <laughs> and it just sort of like picked up a little like where they started all culminating. So at the end of the set and it was like, that's what I feel like I've gotten good at is like, taking a horrifyingly bad crowd and flipping them to like at least be a good well, crowd. There's something about like when I was talking to Bird about it, he was like, yeah, you have to you have to become, you know, the all crowd is sheep and you have to be the shepherd and like that's his analogy. So you have to become Jesus. Yeah, you have to become <laughs> Jesus and uh kill yourself on yeah. stage. Um, and rise on the third set. And so, you know, so but like I think that <laughs> rise on the third set. That's funny. Um but like I think that the there's a thing there of being you have to create a tribe and then lead the tribe and if people aren't it is a mental game yeah and if people aren't like bought in to like being in the tribe you have to be like what the fuck are you like what's your problem for not being in this tribe and there's something there's definitely something about like and that and chastising crowds sometimes does it where like you tell a joke and you're like okay that's fucking that is a funny ass joke and you what happened to you today? Like who hurt right. you? Like what? Why are you at a comedy show? Well, that's why like, I do the the cell phone plan, or I'll, or I'll throw in like you can't be sadder than the comedians, or this is not a comedy <laughs> TED talk. What did you guys think? Were you, was this a funeral before? Yeah. And you guys were like, let's go to a show after. One of the things that I like saying too is I'm like, did everybody do a, 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 a round of like Nyquil shots before right. I got on? Set? Like what is going on right. with you guys? And and literally all you have to do sometimes I think is reflect back to them that they're like, oh we're not. You know what I mean? And it's funny because people will say, like, don't chastise or berate the crowd, but it's like... That works. Yeah. But at a, yeah, at a <laughs> certain level, time, it works. It yeah. And I, and I don't think... I don't agree with, like, people getting off stage and being like, the crowd sucks. Like, I'm great. The crowd blew tonight. Right. Like, you need to keep the locus of control on, right. like, what did I do to help contribute to this not being right. a great set? Right. And what could I do differently? And that's how you learn. Like, otherwise, you don't have any learnings. But it's true that, like, sometimes crowds, some crowds are just shitty. Right. And, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Dave Chappelle has that clip where he was in, like, Philadelphia or something and got up and bombed for 20 minutes mm. in front of this crowd. Some crowds are shitty. Like, there's no way. Dave Chappelle is one of the greatest comedians who's ever lived. And if he's bombing in front of crowds sometimes, it tells you something about the way that crowds in comedy go. Yeah. And like I, it's just an interesting I think thing thing to think about. But let, let me back up to this because I wanted to round this point out. Like I think that just to draw this, I had this moment in my head a minute ago uh, where I was like, oh, I can sum up everything we've talked about in this podcast because uh, I was talking about reflecting when I was in Edinburgh, I was having bad sets, and I was like, it's comedy for me, like having to work through that stuff. That's the thing I think some improv people do not have to do is that you have a team around you. And they can go like, you're having a bad night. Everything's fine, man. Like, you're just a funny guy. You had a funny time the other night. And like, that's cool. It's cool to be supportive. But like, some of that shit when you're with impro- or with stand-up is like, you're by yourself. And you have to figure out a way to work through it. You can it. definitely hide better in improv, but don't don't mistake the time that when you're alone at night and you put your head on the pillow. That's <laughs> you reflecting how you hid <laughs> right, and how point. what your performers around you are probably thinking or saying in private about you. Oh, they, man, that's they a good pick, point. That they pick up on. That's a good point. I think it's the people that, you know, bomb at open mics or that bomb and improv and hide and that, that are not being self-reflective and honest with themselves. And uh, then they yeah. stick with it and they're like, well, I just like it. It's a good hobby. And it's like, well, that's okay. And, but don't get mad if you're not getting something and then come off as bitter and irate like two, <laughs> two months into you doing comedy and yeah. like, why am I not booking and all these clubs, you know, or why am I not at Second City's main stage? I don't get it. I gave them money. Like there's, there's no <laughs> guarantee of exchange. I've been doing improv for six 
months, I, and yeah. I haven't been on Second City's main stage. What the fuck? Well, I love like that. That's the perceived notion is that people think because you've paid improv class money that you're deserved something. Like <laughs> that's great. You're not deserved anything. You know, just like that's like me being like, oh, I went to a thousand open mics and I didn't get X. It's like yeah. I didn't pay for those open mics. Some of them I did. You know, when you're yeah. in New York or wherever you go, like some of them you do. It's time. It's money. It's commitment. And it's the same exact thing. You're getting training, and you're not always getting. Do you, it's like you're expecting this 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 physical result, you know, or tangible result, and that's not how comedy works. Mm. And if that's your only goal is to get rewarded with it financially or with success, then maybe yeah. it's not for you. Like maybe you should have joy while you're doing it, and the bookings and everything that comes with it are the cool mm. aftermath, mm. you know, which is what I'm trying to enjoy now. Is like when cool stuff starts happening, you're like, oh, okay, cool. This has been 12 years of me busting my ass, getting no sleep, getting yeah. sleep deprived, like yep. becoming a lunatic and, you know, losing my memory because I'm going to shows it till one and then I'm up at six training somebody. You know, it's like these are the things like I talked to a comic the other day. He's like, oh, man, I got to back off on open mics, man. I, I got this full time job. I can't do this no more. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, you bitch, shut up. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I've been doing this. F- that schedule since I've started here, like it's the way it is. If you don't like it, then you were never in this to begin with. Like yeah. you have got to want it that bad. And it's like, if you don't want something that bad, why are you half-assing it? Don't waste your time. Go get a corporate job. You know, they'll, they'll promote you up the ladder. If that's all you're looking for is like promotions and like, you know, these tangible things that you need. Otherwise it's not worth it. You know, it's just it boggles my mind. It's like this is uh, this is Anthony Bonazzo's advice: yeah. uh, quit comedy. No, yeah, exactly. Just... <laughs> That's why I said we really need like a Doctor Kavorkian for comedians. Oh my god, that careers, is so funny. for their careers, not to kill themselves. A like, Doctor Kavorkian, like, just come see me for twenty minutes, and I'll talk to you about why you should kill your career off. Like, just be like yeah. you're done. Like, That's so funny. You know. I went, that sounds like a great sketch to pop on YouTube. Like I <laughs> saw, sure I feel so much better about myself since I've quit comedy. Sure, I'm sure it would go over well. Like, are you having trouble sleeping at <laughs> Who night? Who is this Anthony Bonazzo character? I saw him bomb at every open <laughs> mic he goes to, but crush at Zanies. That's a, right. He's a bad. Person. Are you having trouble sleeping at night? Do you have an, a, a terrible sense of self? Yeah. Are you have finding you yourself? <laughs> are you finding yourself drinking too many alcoholic beverages in one week? We have a solution for you here at one eight hundred Quit Comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll kill your comedy career for you oh my god man well, it's just you just burning your notebook and like putting everything to sleep like, <laughs> like you're injecting it and you're like oh there it goes there goes my last bit i actually so here's the thing that's that's the thing is just to find this out we're running up on time so we gotta uh wrap it up here in a second but one of the things that i think i i reflected on and, and when i worked through this you know on the few times that i've really had to go, man, it's comedy for me, is I think I can't think of myself apart from doing comedy. I've done it for, I've done it since I was 14 years old. I've gotten on stage and when I was five years old, I was on my uncle's cable access show (laughs) as the youngest stand-up comic. I was five and I was gone on his cable access show tell tell jokes. What's the deal with Lunchables? I was like, what's the deal with Batman? So (laughs) Batman was trying to cross the street like, it was some ridiculous... Anyway, uh, some somewhere that exists. I'm, like, 17 years old in this documentary doing comedy at, at Ridley's, actually, in, in Detroit. And uh, I just can't think of myself apart from doing it. I, I don't... That's what, I, that, I you're hitting it on the head. I wouldn't know who I was. That's what you. That's the level that you have to have. And if you don't, then you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Like, I've took, like, three, the last three days off because I worked the past two weekends at a club, and I was like, I'm exhausted right now. Yeah. And it's like, I know within 24 hours, uh, the itch is going to be back. And I'm like, I can't stay away. Dude, you know? I've been, I, it's, uh, working that's on this, the level it has, that's working the on this TV show has been like that. And like, I had, I had family from England in town and like, I haven't, 
that I was sick this week. I haven't gone out since like last weekend and it's driving me insane. And like, cause I have like three bits and I was, before you even showed up, I was writing, I was continuing to write because I have this show that I want to, I want to film with Corey Wood into the fall, into like November. And then I want to edit it and release it on Valentine's day. And I have to work my ass off on this because I need to get this thing written and I haven't had enough time to go out and do mics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's driving me nuts. But like the point is like if I don't get up on stage like regularly, I start being like, I'm like, who the fuck am yeah, I? I get, I get depressed if I go up too much and I go up and get depressed if I don't go up enough. Yeah. Like it's a weird it's, medium. You yeah. Like it's not bad. Like when I did the hundred and, and nine days of stand up, it was like. I at a certain point, probably a month, probably six weeks in, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm actually, this is not productive anymore. Mm. Going up every fucking day." Well, I think that's the thing is some people, comics mistake, especially in the beginning, that they need to be at an open mic to be doing comedy. Yeah, like you could be working on your packet, you could be working doing a podcast, you could be working on a joke that you rewrote a hundred times, or a new way of delivering it, or emailing clubs. There's always something. Think of it as like a business. Yeah, and if you were running a business and you just kept running the same side of business every single day but neglected all these 14,000 other things that need to be happening for the business to be successful yeah you're never going to be successful mm. no, going back to what you're that's you're a saying, really good point yeah that's like somebody who's who's only ever trying to get new clients but never does the accounting or right. never does yeah, the inventory like then, you're, then you're like oh i'm broke yeah. no wonder why you're broke you have yeah, you, you don't did, have an account you only did the one thing <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> you got this account and they just robbed you and moved to mexico like you're done like it's over you know and uh, you know, and that's the thing. And then they or they feel like, oh, I, I just bombed at Shuba's, so now let me go down the street to Shakers and do the same set that bombed, and not tweak it, not change anything. Like cut your losses, go home, work on what worked and what didn't work, or write something totally new. That's what I never got. Like, why are you just bouncing from mic to mic, doing the same set? Try four new jokes at every open mic, or one new joke at every mic, or go to the big mics and like do your showcase set if it's a you know, you're trying to impress comics, do the work, the ones that you've worked on at the smaller mics and present it at the bigger mics. Sometimes yeah. I'll go to like a bigger mic and do like four new jokes that have worked at the smaller mics. And that way it's not like, it's not like a total blast to my ego where I'm like, all right, I'm eating it, but whatever, <laughs> you know, cause sometimes you're like, you still don't want to feel bad about yourself when you go in. But that's why I love going to shakers on Monday. Cause it's like, I'll just do whatever I want. You yeah, know, it doesn't and, matter. And I don't care. I'm not getting, yeah, nobody, I'm not getting looks like oh, this guy. This guy does the comedy bar and Zanies. <laughs> he's got the improv. What's this guy's deal? It's like you know. That's what the same story that you had. I had somebody else come to me with. They're like, oh yeah, so and so was like, yeah, I see Anthony Bonazzo at open mics, and he does like so so. But then I saw him at the Tuesday Ten. <laughs> he like killed. I'm like, you think I'm just going up there like just with these crap ass jokes that I tried on Twitter that I'm yeah. trying to know? I'm like, no, I'm using an open mic for what it is, which is practice and yeah. to try to. And see if it gets a response. It's the weirdest. This is why stand-up comedy is the most bizarre art form. Is because it's like people, exp- people, uh, people expect you. No one would walk into the studio of a of a painter and see them halfway through a painting and this be like, sucks. "This guy sucks." <laughs> yeah. This wait, this guy sells. Or like paintings? you took a sketch and you just drew like a line. They're like, "Oh, this guy can't draw for shit." You know? Yeah, like give me a break. Yeah, I'm not done. It takes a little while. Yeah, to, like, I gotta put work it on this. Like you're seeing a work in progress. Like well, it just it's tough. Going back to what we were saying about like when the crowd is not on your side and that whole like mentality of like you're gonna. The other thing that I've noticed too is like just coming out like swinging. Don't go out unsure of yourself. Oh, you know, without with a, a doubt, with a new joke or yeah. or like even if your new joke doesn't work. Dig into your archives. Go through your Rolodex of like, what's my one joke? And be willing to change. Don't just go up there and be like, so, um, 
you know, I had sex with this guy the other night, and da 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 da, and then that joke bombs. So what do you do? You keep talking about that the joke, same thing, and then just go. And yeah. then you're like, the worst is when a joke bombs, and then there's no transition. It's like, so anyway, I don't eat pork, and it's like you've gone to the next. They feel that it, that was an awkward transition just as much <laughs> as you did. Yeah, you know, so calling that out. Yeah, coming out swinging, and that's the other thing too. Is that's like, you being a leader. That's you. Right. That's you leading the tribe. Right. Because because the, the tribe, if you're trying to lead the tribe, and they go, this is feels weird. <laughs> Right. They're not going to fucking trust you. Everybody yeah. feels it. So the other thing I've noticed too is like picking things that like are going to get them out of that space. Whether that's like for me, it's like whether it's like recently I just started trying to like sing and like do something with a song, do like a voice or a sound or an impression, something that's like, oh, like we're immediately there on your side. Yeah, it's funny. And you can I... really, people are like, oh, it's hack or whatever, but like, if you do it well, yeah. nothing's hack if it's if you're doing it well and it's well written. Yeah. And that's what I've and, learned. And it's and it's uniquely yours. Yeah. Like I went up on stage at the time that I really learned that. Um and we I should close out this podcast in a minute. But the the time that I really learned that is when I was living in Paris and I was doing comedy there and I they have I don't know if you've ever been over to the continent in Europe, but all of their beer bottles are 25 centiliter bottles. Mm. They're just little tiny little bottles. <laughs> They're just little tiny. You're like, I'm gonna, and you'll buy like 50 of them and you'll drink all 50 and still be sober. It's like, it doesn't yeah. make any goddamn sense. But so I bought this, this tiny 25 centiliter bottle of, of, of beer and I got up on stage and it was Cronenberg and I got up on stage and, uh, I was like, let me just, I grabbed the mic and I just, same thing came out swinging and I just said, said something like, um, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and set down my, uh, my, my Cronenberg right here on this table. And then I took a sip and I go, uh, I love that it's in this, I'm like Cronenberg in the baby bottle just for kids. And then I like set it down and the room like was like, what? Like they right. just, it woke them up or something yeah, yeah. because everybody just gets up there and talks about jokes and talks right. about, and when you vary your voice up and do sound effects or do some goofy right. shit, it's like, it does demarcate you differently. And you're like, Oh, we're in a new space now. Right. Or like we, coming out and doing crowd work. Like I always like to, if the rooms especially did go out and be like, oh, look at this guy over here, man spreading his legs, this table over here. And like you oh, just yeah. go around and you have a comment. Because it, it creates them, the space. Well, then they they wake up because they're not just listening to this monotone set that you're plowing through yeah. of like scripted. Rehe- and that's fine to have that. Yeah. But like you have to be able to come out of that too because if the, you don't, the audience won't. Yeah. And they're going to zone out and be like, oh, I'm bored. And anything in the room, I, it's like it's, it's fascinating to me them. because like anything in the room that's just odd is like, unless comedians have already talked it to death, it's like you have to fucking talk about it. Because like I was at uh, just Blarney the other day. And did um, which is for all of my listeners in the Russian Federation, an open mic here in Chicago that I used to run, uh, and and there was like five people who were uh, very Jewish, yarmulkes, uh, you know, um, just a, a blazon. I don't know what the term to refer to yarmulkes. They were brandishing yarmulkes. They were brandishing them. Anyway, they were um, sitting there in the uh, audience, uh, being Jewish, and. Uh, nobody talked about it and it was just kind of weird because it's like we just don't have a bunch of orthodox Jews like or, or Jews at all who just show up and sit in the middle of a, what mics an are you open going mic to, you anti-semite comic <laughs> <laughs> comic I, that, so I know I sound somebody so, has been but, to Skokie mics yeah apparently yeah right Ugh, I mean like so anyway I so I got up in the room and I was like, "What?" I'm like, "No we'll offense, but like, us, please yeah, don't I was tell like, me I, I got up in the audience. And I was like, "No offense, but like, what? What? What are you guys doing here? <laughs> like, you guys don't." Sh- I was like, um, wh- "I mean, in my country, I want you out." No, <laughs> right. so I said, I just was like, started talking to them, and they're like, "Oh, we're here to see our 
our friend, he's going up and like all this stuff. And it was like, but for probably five comics before me, it was just weird because they're, no one talked about yeah, it. no one talked about it. And you're like, there's five people we don't know who are very Jewish, who are like right here. <laughs> and it's just a little bit odd that nobody's mentioning that, like that we're all, you know. I know we've gone over, but can I, can I tell you a quick story that goes along? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I had this guy that came to my gym and he like wanted, uh, like they're like, yeah, he wants a personal trainer. And then he basically came to me and he's like, he's like, Anthony, I really want to lose like fat in the stomach. I want to gain muscle in the biceps <laughs> and I want to lose a little fat in the hips. And I was like, okay. And he's like, but I don't want to pay you. <laughs> what? I was like, this is horrible. Like, like you're whatever. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, you don't want to pay me. He's like, well, I just want to get the free session and take notes. And he brings like this notepad out with a pencil and I go, I gotta, I gotta hammer this home for this guy. So he gets it. And I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I teach Hebrew and Yiddish law. And I go, okay, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to teach me Hebrew and Yiddish law, but I don't want to pay you for it. And I want to learn it in one hour. And he goes, I see your point. <laughs> but I still want the free session. So I was just like, invented this workout on the spot. That was just like, I'm just going to, you know, give him, a, give him a badass workout, kick his ass for an hour or whatever. He's going crazy. He's trying to like in between breaths, write stuff down on this oh, that's sketch great. pad. And in the middle of the workout, he's doing an overhead ball slam, and his his uh, yarmulke comes off. So where he throws his balls over his head. Well, no, his yarmulke comes off. Oh right? no! So it lands on the floor, and he's in the middle of an overhead medicine ball slam. But he's got his eyes closed, so he's about to take the medicine ball, plyometric slam it onto his, his yarmulke. yarmulke. So just as I'm like about to react, I'm like, I'm not gonna have time to grab it. So I want to like kick it out of the way before he hits it. This group of people walks in and just sees me with just, this like Jewish guy kicking a yarmulke like away, <laughs> like I'm this like hate trainer, and he slams the ball, and then they're like, "Oh my god, am I walking in like on a hate crime? Like what is happening?" <laughs> and then he just yells out, "He goes, this is the greatest workout of my entire life!" <laughs> and they're like, "We don't know what's happening right now." Oh my god, the Anthony Bonazzo hate trainer, yeah, hate trainer, pro pro hate trainer, pro pro yarmulke <laughs> yeah, kicker. Yeah. He could, you go on the uh, U.S. Uh, Olympic yarmulke kicking yeah, team. Exactly. Train all the <laughs> old old all Bonazzo. The he kicks he kicks yarmulkes with the best of he them. He kicked my ass. My yam He kicked my ass so hard my yarmulke came off. <laughs> That's <laughs> that is. You need to put that on a business card. It was hilarious. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Anthony Bonazzo, where can people get at you, man? We're at, we're, uh, we're a little over time, but Bonazzo we're good. thirty one on Twitter, comedian trainer on Instagram, and Anthony Bonazzo Facebook pro 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 pro. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much, man. You, man. Uh, meanwhile, guys, the madness continues. Take it easy.